0: Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the UtaCast. Uh, I did my math before we did the show today, and guess what? It's our six-year anniversary. Stunning. I can't believe it took us six years to get to six years. that makes sense? Made sense to me. Joining us this week, uh, returning GFOP, Zach Wilson, here to talk Father's Day, to here to talk twins, here to talk card breaks, all of this so much more. Great conversation with him. Plus, this week, we'll talk about New York State Fair. We'll talk about uh, Disneyland. We'll talk about stolen ambulances. Uh, we'll talk about Christian Erickson, history lessons. Uh, all of this, folks, and so, so much more. And again, for six years, you guys have been joining us. So whether it's your first episode or you've been here since day one, want to thank you for being here for another episode of The Youth Some rudimentary math will show you that uh, 312 divided by 52 is 6, a whole number, which means that's correct. Today is our six-year anniversary as a podcast. Wow. you officially been on the air for six years as of today. Six years and one mysterious week we don't talk about except every time we do this. Uh,
1: it, does it feel like it's been six years?
0: No, and I'll tell you. <laughs> it does not feel like it's been. I'll tell you why it doesn't feel like six years, because uh, I didn't know it was the six year anniversary oh. until two days ago, when I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I wonder what. I feel like we're getting close to like some sort of uh, milestone type episode, and lo and behold, we have uh, Kevin six years of me hassling you on Mondays. How's it feel?
2: Ah, uh, it it doesn't. I don't feel hassled.
0: Well, that's good to know
2: on my yeah, end. I don't.
0: I don't know. I don't really feel hassled. I constantly feel like I'm hassling to you, though. In general, <laughs> that's just me.
2: Yeah, I think that's just that's 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 your narrative. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who am I to interrupt the flow of your one man's narrative? No, I don't feel hassled or grieved, and certainly not by you. being at the bottom of that list. That's well, yeah, good way to bottom. know. Way
1: bottom. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, that's very nice. Uh, but for all you folks out there, earnestly, it has been. Uh, I mean, it's been mostly fun uh, doing this for six years and meeting so many wonderful people. And, I, you know, again, I, I'm not going to sit here and name every single person who's come on this show mm. over six years. It would take over. thats what we should do one of these days. We'll do, like, a knockout tournament for everyone who's been on this this show. We'll do, like, a mm. whole, like, March Madness tournament. I see. <laughs> It'll take me a really long time to set the boards up. But, again, the, the whole point of this show, six years in, was to highlight people in Utica doing interesting, cool things, whether it be through— uh, culture, or business, or art, or music, or whatever, politics, anything that's going on in the city, we've been happy and honored to feature people for the last six years uh, talking about what they're doing in the city, and it has been, that part has always been a pleasure. There's never been a part of that that I've felt bad about. Mm. Uh, Heather, what would you like to see from the show going forward in six years? Is there anyone we haven't had on the show that you'd like me to have on?
1: Not that I can think of yet, but I, I do like that you're getting, like, I like the politician part, like a lot of the local, new, up-and-coming people who are running and younger voices out there that you have coming in. I think those are important, and people like to hear that.
0: I had a good friend of mine once tell me that local politics are more important than national politics, so I feel like it's important to give a lot of uh, local politicians the platform. Those are also the
2: ones we can book. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's true.
1: Yes. No, I, I like everybody you have on. I can't think of anybody I'd really like at this moment that I can think mm. of that I want to have on. I'm trying to think. So.
0: Uh, well, there's a few people we haven't had on yet. Uh, I, have a, I think I have a new guest coming on next week. So even six years into the show, I'll have
2: someone on next week who's never been on before. So Ooh. that should be exciting. That's kind of usually the case. It's been a weird, obviously, yeah, pandemic year. It's so nice to see crowds back in stadiums and all that. But like, <laughs> I mean, for the last year, there's been some recycling, but even up to the five-year anniversary, I mean, this has not really been a big-time repeater show. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes, when somebody comes on for the second or third time, you're like, "Oh wow, we haven't talked to these folks in a couple years." And
1: they have a lot of good things to say.
2: Well, even this
0: week's episode with uh, father uh, father of twins to be Zach Wilson. Crazy. uh, I saw
1: that post. Like, Mm. wow.
0: Godspeed to him and Kate. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, even you know, even Zach, I had to look back. He's really only been on the show like three times. I was afraid to ask him. He was like, ah, he's on all the time. He's not really on all the time. He doesn't come on that
2: regularly. Uh, yeah. It's all in yes, your the narrative. It's it's, it's, it's all it's all in my head. Well plus you remember like when people that you're friends with otherwise are on, you know what I mean? Well, I'm not
0: gonna lie, I do this is like a thing I do regularly. I have to go back through the archives of the show. Mm. and take, like, mental catalog of who has not been on the show in a while, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, we're definitely overdue for a Phil Farta showing. It's been a while, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mm-hmm. Phil is still definitely. the leader in the clubhouse six years in, I think, in terms of people who've been on the mm-hmm. show the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say... Malik Gale, giving him a run for his money. Malik is on pretty regular. Malik's on so much that he's when almost...
2: somebody. When someone from another podcast comes on, it's a different thing, because it becomes more of a crossover
0: than yeah. other guests. Yeah, I've told Malik he's essentially our recurring music guests Now, whenever I have some sort of music discussion I want to have, I have to call him for it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of folks have come on a lot, and I think it's about time for uh, some people to come back on and some new guests, and we'll just keep going. Yeah, yeah. And for the inevitable question of uh, when are you gonna stop doing this charade, when are you gonna stop doing this? <laughs> That's <whole>? your question.
2: <laughs> it's your posing.
0: A lot of people you now. People do ask me like, "Is are you ever gonna stop doing this?" Mm-hmm. And my answer I always give them is, "When the show feels like it no longer is serving a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I stop getting new guests in, and I stop feeling the joy of putting the show together and." meeting with you guys, and I feel like it's not there anymore, then there's no point in doing this, right? If it's, if well, we're yeah, just, no if, fun. yeah, if we're fumbling through the motions and there's no reason to do it, but I don't think we've gotten to that point even six years in where I feel like we're wasting our time here every every mm-hmm. Monday to meet up and chat about life. Plus, I like having you guys around. It's oh. good to have you guys around in my life. And that's also a thing that I hope you guys have, uh, listeners out there, is to having your your pals in your ear once a week to help you out when you're feeling down. About. I see. That's true. <laughs> your pals. Your pals, your old pals. Uh, so there you go. Six years of the UDcast this week. Um, anything
2: else on that before I move on to some other stuff? You want to ask me who I want to see? Oh, who, who would you, you like to see on the show? Yeah. Uh, I just want Claudia Tennant to come on the show. Oh, good one. And talk to me. I'll do the interview. I'll be the first one we ever <laughs> He's do. He's been
1: asking for a while, You too. and me.
2: Anytime. Anytime, place. I'll bring the mics. Who's I know that one of her guys in her staff listens to this. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't remember the name. I'm sure some someone must. They blocked us for whatever reason, and I never reached out to her like singularly. So they someone must have been listening, right?
3: Yeah.
0: I'll be happy to have Claudia on anytime if she wants to come on. We'd we'll be happy to talk to her. I don't know why we're blocked on social media, but whatever. She yeah, yeah, blocked my husband too. Irrelevant, huh? I don't care She blocked my I'll husband too. She blocks a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Also this week, some stuff to keep in mind. Uh, Thursday, June 17th, Performers in the Park series continues. If you didn't pop down last week, you missed me performing pop punk. I know,
1: I'm so bummed. Are you
0: sad that you missed me on stage? You didn't miss much. That's okay, i still like to see you. (laughs) But those are the kind of exciting events you can uh, expect to see on Thursdays at Handshake City. This week, our very good friend, Zalatan, performing one of our all-time favorites. 6 o'clock at Handshake City. This Thursday, if you haven't had a chance to make it out uh, so far this year. She's good. She's great. She's really Puts good. Puts on a great show. Really excited. Um, all right. Also, this week. Yeah, it will be louder, Heather. I'm sorry. Six years of this show, you're not I'm tired It I was trying, trying to get it under the talk. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, is he, yeah. are we
1: playing charades? Because I don't know what he's doing over no, there with his hands. All right, gotcha. Heather, did
0: you have a road race today? I saw you talking. It was yesterday. So where did you do this road race?
1: Um, In Keene Valley up near Lake Placid. How far did you go? I only, well, I only went 3.5 miles. I did the smaller race. My mm-hmm. husband
0: did the 12 miles. Oof.
1: Yep. God.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about doing your road race? Was it nice to be back out in the world?
1: Um, It was it was a trail run, first of all. That's not the No, it's okay. But I am excited because I've never placed in anything before, and I placed first place in my age
0: group. Wow. First place in your I was really age? happy. <laughs> so for all the haters out there. you
1: like, I'm calling my name up. I'm like, it's me. I'm winning an award. Me? <laughs> all right. Yeah.
0: I'm actually getting to that point now where I'm I'm old enough where I can start looking at age groups and be like, hey, look at that. That's
1: I know, I have I potential now in the 40-year-old, so mm. here I am. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look at the
0: over 40, by the way. I tell you Thanks. that all the time. Uh, I Actually, it's funny. Uh, I've been going back to the gym. I took a week off last week, and I'm going to start up again this yeah. week. Uh, but that's the thing that I've realized I hate the most to this day. I used to run cross-country. Mm-hmm. I ran out in public for years To this day, that's the last thing I want to do now. I hate running. It's the worst.
1: I just do it because it's the only thing I can commit to right now. Wait,
0: so you're telling me that you didn't get one of those mysterious runner's highs that people talk about when you're running where you feel like you're not running at all?
1: No, I, I was running and it hurt the whole time.
0: <laughs> was, I didn't have
1: anything like that. I find
0: <laughs> that to be a scam, by the way. The idea of the runner's high. I see like commercials on TV for like sneakers or like the runner's high. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. No. I ran cross country and every moment of it was terrible. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. always
1: hard. I don't find it, but I just do it because it's easy. Uh,
0: Alright, and then last but not least, guys, I had, uh, had a moment today I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, I had to substitute in school today by myself. For a couple kids. Can you
1: just do it recently? Well, I did. And it okay. went really okay. well. Okay. So
0: today, I had to do it again. With the same class I had last time. The same class that really liked me. Told their teacher, Oh, Mr. Mr. F's a real cool substitute. I thought I was prudent. real proud of myself. Real cool substitute, Mr. F. They were taking advantage of the fact that Mr. F was cool today. Oh. And I had to lay down the hammer. Something I never do. I, I had to, like, yell in the what classroom. What did you sound like? Huh? What did you sound like? I said, hey, you kids, everyone sits down at your desk right now. And then they all did, and then I lost the plot. I was like, oh my god, they listened to me, now what do I do? Because I started telling them like, I I started giving them my speech about how they need to like start working nicer with each other, and I just tailed off, like I lost my vocabulary like halfway through. I'm like, I expect you kids to be ready to prepare yourself for middle school. Things are going to change after this. You guys have to be on the same uh, team. You guys are team teammates. You're all teammates. So you got to work together. <laughs> I just like lost the plot halfway through and I can see them go from being like scared of me so, to be like, what's, what's, he, what's he talking about? Is team he still teammate? <laughs> So yeah, I, I still, still have not put down my reps yeah, work with, on that. with discipline. Discipline is still not my... My strong suit. How do you do it when you have to be disciplinary to your son?
1: I'm great with
0: it. <laughs> Does not feel bad afterwards.
1: Um, sometimes I do because he looks at me or he'll say, "Mommy, I love you," and I'm sorry. And then you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry too."
0: Here's you know what you need.
1: <laughs> but no, not I do.
0: I I don't know. I feel like I cave immediately. Like the minute the kid shows some level of like nervousness or sadness, I can't. Ha- I think I can't handle people crying. Don't know it. I think take advantage of you. I, 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 though that's my other concern. Yeah, so that's, I can't handle people crying, but I also feel like they know I can't handle yeah. people crying. So I'll have to work on my discipline uh, this week. So that's it. That's
2: all my intro notes. Uh, Kevin, anything on your mind
0: this week before we dig into the notes of the story? Anything
2: exciting that happened to you this weekend? Or? Uh, boy, on my mind is a little broad. Uh, always a lot of things. But uh, this weekend we played at Back Square Brewery. Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! It was the one year anniversary for their giant uh, all day grand opening one year block party. Nice. Uh, it was cool. It was cool. We had a really good time. Uh, there was a great turnout. Um, they did a pretty good job out there. I would say they. You could, I mean, you could definitely tell it was the first time because they took the whole parking lot and blocked it off yeah, and ran yeah. like an outdoor event with like you know food and tents and tables mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and you know shout out to them and their staff for making it work because you could sit uh, just like anything you could sit and nitpick like somebody's event and mm-hmm. this and that and me with my perspective having done a lot of events i left mostly impressed with the fact that with a somewhat bare staff that had obviously yeah. never worked in large-scale outdoor events before they pulled it off with no hitches and everything was running really smoothly That's awesome. Good and the people down there were all really kind to us um all the people that were watching were there and were great and you know, we always have fun. We go out, so it was good. It was right. nice to be down there. I think they can really, <laughs> really do something with that space if mm-hmm. they can keep using that parking lot the way they used it. Like, I think that's a real game-changer for both them and that specific two- to three-block neighborhood from basically Handshake City all the way down to the Bag Square, the yeah. original Bag Square loft building, mm-hmm. that little, like, Bag Square chunk. Well, I think it's really interesting, too, that you guys... Last time we were at a event down at Bag
0: Square with you uh, for your, for your party... Mm-hmm. There was a band playing outside, but they didn't utilize mm-hmm. the whole parking space area. Yeah,
2: so for when they did their block party there was the inside wasn't open at all. Mm. You couldn't go inside. Interesting. Nobody was inside, there were no lights <laughs> on inside, nothing. It was staff only and they it's were using the park. kitchen. Yeah. But everything else was outside. They were serving beers outside, they had all the tables oh. outside, all the food. Nice. And basically the food booth was set up outside what I would imagine is the back door of their kitchen into the parking lot mm-hmm. and that's where they had like servers going in and out and doing that.
0: This is a question I'm just thinking at the top of my head. So if you don't have an answer for it, I don't blame you because I'm just now thinking about it. But you we've been playing in advance for many years. You've been playing more consistently than most people I know. Mm. If you were designing like a venue mm-hmm. from the ground up, as a performer, what would you want in like the stage in the performance space?
2: As a, as, I mean as a performer, I think all you really care about is making sure you have enough room. Uh, enough technical stuff, like enough dedicated power outlets mm-hmm. that you can run whatever PA components and different things you have to run without overloading any circuits. But um some nice and easy load in, easy to get in yeah. and out, easy to load your stuff, not have to go upstairs, downstairs, carry too much gear through long walkways, yeah. different stuff like that. Um and just some dedicated like green room space. Some place where you can For sure. go change, freshen up, hang out, talk about set list, do the last little mm-hmm. things you gotta do. Before you go and get on stage, just having some space to be before, after, between—if you're the type of band that takes breaks in your set or uh, whatever—is like my short list off the top of my head.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Very cool. I was just curious because I was thinking about like we, even as a guy like
0: myself who's only played Mm -hmm. in so many shows, I've seen a lot of stages before and a lot of venues where it feels like you are lacking when you go up there. You're like, boy, there's really pretty bare bones up here in terms of what's available to us. Uh, and in some places, just like you're stunned by how much stuff they have and how professional it is, and just mm-hmm. you know, that just that just per, uh, practice, I suppose, just years of
2: doing it. Well, I think you want, I think you really you want an appropriately sized stage too. Like if you're We'd a brush. band, even like a band like us, we bring a pretty big load out, we make a lot of noise, but we would look weird with just our regular setup yeah. if we were at like the Stanley. Mm-hmm. You got to start talking about drum risers, you have to start talking about extra lighting, extra actual production value to fill the stage. When you go see any band, what it actually takes to amplify a live band is very small. It would fit on one little corner of a room yeah. outside of just the drums, you know what I mean? Yeah. But so to spread it out, and to get the sound where you need it on the stage and everything like that, you have to have the right stage for your presentation of your show or whatever. Some stages can be too big and also some can be way too small.
0: And I always go back to specifically when we were kids. I think being like in the punk rock bands. I think the idea that we had to have like half stacks at full volume to play in the Valley Brook was a mm. silly idea. Like at the time, right?
2: Well, we did because we weren't miking. I mean, we're getting you know a little deep into. It. We weren't miking everything uh, and running yeah. it through a PA, so we didn't have the capacity to to run fifteen watt combos. Mic right, right, through right. the front of the mix on. We should have. You know what <laughs> I mean? We like actually. <laughs> right, done, we, we knew what we were doing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have that kind of PA. We never had the kind of money to buy that kind of PA.
0: I, I didn't mean to get off at a tangent. Something I was thinking of when we were talking about it and it was on my
2: mind. Shout out to the uh, Handsome Bob boys. Some Yo. of who came out to the show and were partying and uh, dancing and going wild. And all over the weekend, I mean, um, walk it like they talk at those guys. Oh, yeah. They're
0: they, they, they they're a good time. Love those guys. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to pitch them as the maiden Utica house band. I've been trying to pitch it at the house. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's do some... Some national news this week. Guys, we just finished six years of podcasting. What are you going to do next, Heather? I'm going
1: to go to Disneyland.
0: You're going to go to Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming in with that. I guess it was good right It It was right right there. there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, starting tomorrow, if you go to Disneyland, you can now take off your masks. Uh, Which I feel like is, uh, I mean, I don't know. You excited to go to Disney World because of it now? No.
2: Changes nothing in my life. Yeah, Changes Disney. nothing. I'm not
0: going to Disneyland. In my uh, plan to go to Disney. Yeah, I don't know if this is changing anyone's mind, but if you want to go to Disney now because you can take your mask off, you can go mm-hmm. starting tomorrow. Um, a slow day for SlashFilm.com. Yeah, very slow day uh, for SlashFilm.com. Uh, on a more local level, uh, uh, Governor Cuomo said this morning the Great New York State Fair will open at 100% capacity this August after state officials initially said the cap would be cut in half. So now, 100% capacity for the state fair, which, by the way, you can get free tickets to the state fair if you go get vaccinated. But,
1: but it says masks will still be required. Is that what
0: be... uh, Well, let's see here. Uh, it was announced at 70%. Masks will still be required. Uh, yeah, but you can have a 100% capacity, though. So okay. a lot of people yeah. in masks, okay. right? Yeah, okay. you're okay. for it.
2: Um. Right, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, I mean, number one, this is, this is one thing I'll tell you, one thing that I'll be happy to see go from this news cycle after all this stuff is yeah. done is the people having to put out headlines being like, oh, they announced today that in 10 months, this is the plan. And it's like, well, you know, this is yeah. going to change yeah, between so, now and then. Exactly. So like, this isn't the plan. This is it's just, just so... like, hey, we need today's clicks. Like, well, like wait and see.
0: <laughs> to, to be fair, this is follow-up from last week, where they mentioned that New York needed to be at 70% vaccination. As of mm-hmm. today, we are at 69.9%. Okay, so, that's so we'll, where be, we are. we'll be 70. Mm. So there's your connection and peg from last week's story, if you're looking mm. for the connecting piece. Uh, that being said, and I know we've been joking around about the state fair tickets for, uh, for vaccinations. Heather sent me this message last week, so I had Again? to pull this oh. up. Yeah, saying uh, in Washington State, they're giving away uh, joints. Uh, to residents who are getting vaccinated. This program is called Joints for Jabs. It's officially a thing in Washington State. Uh, My only quote on this was, New York's not doing this, but they'd be a lot cooler if they did. All right, all right, all right. No? Nobody? Come on. (laughs) Hmm. Come on, Dazed and Confused, no one? Oh, I, I oh know sorry, it was. sorry. I know it's
1: Matt McConaughey, but... I knew what it was. <laughs> He's like, but I'm not saying it. Uh, the
0: program is the latest vaccination <laughs> incentive in a state that just days ago reached its goal of vaccinating at least 70% of go. state adults. So good for them.
1: Yeah, it worked.
0: Um, I will say, that, and we don't have to get into, I don't have the article to pull up on here, but generally the story, it seems like states that are getting vaccinated... Are getting vaccinated pretty regularly, and we are going to be over seventy. The states that aren't, aren't, and that's sort of the end of the story at this particular point. Uh, All right, let's move on to a wild story from this week, guys. Did you read about the stolen Utica ambulance?
1: What? Where have I been if I didn't hear about that? Yeah,
0: state police announced uh, charges to an operator who stole an ambulance and drove it into Irondequoit Bay yesterday. Is that how you pronounce it? Irondequoit Bay. There you go. Uh, Vanessa Armistead, age 32, of Buffalo, was arrested for criminal trespassing uh, and position stolen property. Uh, it was quite a debacle. One of the ambulances was stolen from Kunkel Ambulance's garage on Catherine Street. Mm. Uh, state police say that the uh, on the throughway they attempted to make their first stop, uh, driver refused to comply with the demand of pullover. They ended that attempt. Second time, uh, they located stolen ambulance in Rochester, tried to pull it over. Uh, that attempt was also ended. The driver went down Seneca Road uh, and crashed through a gate into the bay from the boat launch. Just drove the ambulance into the bay. Uh, The woman who was caught was the only person in the ambulance. I don't know if there's a reason.
1: I need to know. What do you
0: mean? Just because? Why she took it? (laughs) Drugs.
2: Is he think it's drugs? You think? There's a ton of drugs. I know, but I just. Theoretically. uh... It's not too much of a spoiler, but I feel like you will further understand. Yeah. A few more a few more pack of episodes into the wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. uh, no, yeah, yeah gener- I mean, I don't know what this person was thinking or what was going on, but a lot of times ambulances will be targeted because they do often carry or at mm. least thought to carry uh, all sorts of like narcotics mm. and you know, like the Xanax type of like yep. anxieties all sorts of drugs and prescription drugs that people abuse. Um, right. and plus there's a lot of valuable medical stuff on there too. Mm. So if you were looking to like you know, so- it's uh, so yeah, wild go. to just be like, I'm going to hop in this yeah, thing and I'm drive just... it to Rochester. <laughs> and, then... that seems and I'm like, going to uh... get there. <laughs> well,
0: the driving it into the water seems like a wild like final decision. Like, that's it. You know what? They got me. Into the water with me. Like, here I go. Um, that seems like a weird decision. Uh, we're running long today, so I'll just go right to the big energy segment. Uh, and this week, normally the big energy is like something funny. Like, ah, oh, this guy's wild. I can't believe they did it, but good for them. Uh, This week, it's more of a big energy going out in the world to Denmark midfielder Christian Eriksson. For folks who don't know who this is, Christian Eriksson is a soccer player, plays for the Denmark national team, famously played for Tottenham Hotspur, currently plays for Napoli in Italy, I believe I'd have to look up. This week, during a soccer game that we were watching live at the house, uh, Christian Eriksson collapsed onto the field, suffering a cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, coaches uh, on the scene were saying that he was gone on the field before they did cardiac resuscitation. Uh, They had to bring a defibrillator onto the field. Um, He is in stable condition in Copenhagen right now after collapsing. But this, you know, it's so odd as I was watching it. uh, You know, I didn't even know if I was going to watch this game today because it wasn't like the most um, consequential game. But this was one of the wildest 10 minutes of live television I've seen in many years. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody actively receive CPR on a on a football field. It was scary. Kev, okay, you were watching it live along I mean, what were your first thoughts when this sort of happened?
2: Um, I remember the very first thought because I was not paying a ton of attention. I don't really know the soccer teams. I don't yep. really like, not in like a mean way, but like I don't really care. You yeah, know what I mean? like, yeah, for so, sure. Like, I was just mm-hmm. playing a game. Um... And I remember there have been guys, like, falling down a lot and flopping as soccer players are tend to dive onto yes. the ground as if they were, like, grievously wounded when anybody comes near them. And we were kind of talking about, like, man, this keeps happening, this keeps happening. So he, the guy just went down I didn't see what had happened. And I was like, you know, oh, here we go, another guy, wow, this guy's, like, flopping out. And then as we were kind of, I started actually paying attention because I could see that, like, oh, this guy's still down and starting to get serious. And at the point where you could see them actively doing CPR, and people were trying to, like, shield the player, the players were surrounding them so nobody could see. Yeah. But you see the legs kicking, and oh, I wow. heard the announcers say, oh, it looks like they've got him back. And I I was like, no, they just hit him with the defibrillator. Like, this man is... I thought we'd watch a man die on television. Really did. And That's the an- crazy. the announcers were getting into the, like, right now all we can do is thoughts and prayers, and, like, this game's going to have to be suspended, and, like, we don't know, we're sorry if you're just joining us. And it seemed... Very, very much like this man who's like 29 years old and I guess like a real star in the soccer world. He's very good. Uh, just drop whatever. And I, it was really, really like about to ruin my day. Yeah. yeah I uh, family watching that and I, stuff. Or like, I mean, anybody. Like I've seen, I don't know, I've seen people die uh, and it's horrible yeah. and it's just, like we're just sitting here and watching TV and I was already in kind of a bad mood because yeah. if you remember, I had locked my keys in my car and yeah, that was a right. whole odyssey and I was, a right. oh, God, and I was down to right. Precision Wash yeah. for like an hour and a half and all this kind of thing. And it was just I was feeling kind of anxious anyway that day. It was hot. Mm-hmm. We had the show that night. I had a bunch of like different mm-hmm. things going on. I was going to see some family later that evening, and I was really like, "This man is about to like yeah. ruin." This is this is going to be this is horrible. I was horrified, uh, and I was so happy to see that he was yeah. all right afterwards because you know you just you don't see anything like that. Like I was really like, "Wow!" Millions of people just watched this like national hero of the country yeah. die yeah. on television. I
0: it was surreal. It was. A very surreal moment, I think, is the most apt word. And I would say, I I don't really think we need to add too much more to that. Uh, Mm. I thought it was nice to see, once you knew he was okay, it was nice to see how the human emotions overtook the game. Like, it seemed very clear the second something was wrong that the game was... Over, over, right. It was no longer important, and no, in this could moment, never
2: make people yeah. go back out after that.
0: That being said, I do find the fact that they resumed the match less than two hours after he collapsed to be a bit unnecessary. They could have waited another day before. He was rushing. all
2: right. The guys probably wanted to play.
0: I suppose if he was all
2: right. Nothing. I mean, if he's okay, he's okay. Yeah, no, I know. I just I, it seemed kind of like. I, I would have more gripe with them showing the 10 minutes of him on the field and his wife sobbing at the other end of the yeah. stadium. Yeah, yeah. You could cut that for me and two hours later, and like, "Oh, it turns out our lad gave us a scare, but he's all right. Let's go finish it for Denmark. That is is better to me than leaving it for 10 minutes and watching this man yeah. like ostensibly die on the field. As I said,
1: what family were watching from home? While we're watching him play? There I were people
2: think... in the stadium. stadium yeah. was full. The people yeah. were in the crowd just bawling. Yeah. People yeah. hugging and holding and uh, like not knowing what's going on. So, uh, again, big
0: energy out to Christian Eriksson, who yeah. is doing well. Shout
2: Denmark. That's my team now. Denmark? I hope they win whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'll go soccer. soccer. Look, I'm in soccer now. The uh, European Championships. You know, they're playing the New York Red Bull Championship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, before we head out to our interview this week, let's do something lighter. Uh, guys, this is your headline of the week. And if you want to know more, you'll have to tell me. NBC halts production of Ultimate Slip and Slide after crew members experience, quote, explosive diarrhea.
1: I feel like that's it. (laughs) i don't think i need to hear anymore
0: so you guys want no more of the story i I mean
1: i'm good all right good
0: so we'll move on you guys can find out what happens when you see ultimate slip and slide on nbc later this year you know know what happens you can hear it right there all right let's uh let's get to this week's uh interview which is either the third or fourth time he's been on the show but he is one of our closest friends one of our dear friends we're here to talk about Father's Day. We're here to talk about six years of the Utica, seven years of Maiden Utica. Uh, we're here to talk about cards, the uh, the rising popularity of trading cards in the trading card industry. All of this and so much more with one of our closest friends, the Mac Daddy, Zach exactly. Wilson. Can, we're, on, we're on the mic now, so if you want to drop a freestyle I'm not gonna be mad at you. Zach, rusty. cheers. Uh, Salud. Salud. It's a pleasure to have you on. Seven years. Yeah, seven years of Maiden Utica, six years of the Uticast as of today. It is an anniversary special. So joined here by one of the founding members. Yes, sir. Of Maiden Utica. Uh... Let me ask you this question because I saw I watched Justin's interview. Did you watch Justin's interview today? No. He got interviewed about Maiden Utaigo. I saw it was. out. It it's pretty good. Out. Yeah, I'll check good. it out later. It's pretty good. Um, but I was thinking about it. Uh, you know, you were there from day one. Were you not?
4: Yeah, I was there with the Inception conversation.
0: What do you think seven years on? Is it what you thought it would be seven years on, as someone was there at the inside?
4: Um, I mean, I'm always a big dreamer, so oh, for I sure. always <laughs> thought that this thing was going to go <laughs> yeah, to the limit, yeah. I, but. To be honest, the way it is at this point is how when you think of the beginning, you think it's bigger, but you wouldn't imagine like it is bigger than you can imagine now. But, you know, the beginning of any type of ordeal or, you know, uh, entrepreneur idea, anything like that, um, you always think about monetization. With this, it was different. Like, we just thought about showcasing the good stuff there was a time in utica where all you heard about was the bad stuff nonstop, Mm -hmm. always and so we saw a an in to showcase the good stuff the farmers markets the things that you know people the average person in utica might not even know about and i think for a lot of people you know for
0: me i think about this before i went to new york and did my my time down there
4: i think i was on that train
0: right i was on that like I hate it here, this place sucks trans, blah, blah, sucks. blah. blah. Yeah. yeah, I think that there was... I felt like that was the story, though, that I got growing up, right? Like, I feel like a lot of my family and friends were, like, uh, really wanted me to, like, go to college and, like, move away. Yeah, right, else. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think... And so I, I always think it's odd how much nostalgia and how much, like... Um, How much like uh, connection I still feel to Utica, even though a lot of the story growing up was like, "Oh, last night at Utica, turn the lights off," right? Like, yeah,
4: and you know, we all, when you're younger, you want to leave. You're like, "I gotta get out of this place, wherever you're at," and then no matter where you go, you realize you're never gonna have the friends and the family, Mm -hmm. um, in a different location that you have there. Regardless, I mean, your friends will keep in touch and all that. Um, Your family will keep in touch, but there's something different about Me being able to come over here four days a week and see you guys. Or, um, you know, if I need help with something, working on the house, call Mark or call Justin if you can get a hold of him.
0: If you can get get a hold of him.
4: You know. No, I think that's
0: true. You know, I talked about this with Justin actually last week. You know, I think when I came back from New York City, there was a period of time when I was cold. I was like cold to strangers, not interested in talking to people because it was like when you go to New York— or New York City, pardon me. People always, like, you got to watch back. People out to get yeah. you, right? Yep. People out to scam you. People have to try and get your money they out to, like, take advantage of, like, folks who don't know the city. you get this armor when you go, after you've been there for a while. You're like, oh, yep. everything just bounces off you. And when I got here, I was, came back, at least. I'm surprised by how long it took me to let my guard back down.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, me, I I wasn't in New York, but we were in Virginia. And I did have family there, you know, but it was like my brothers, cousins. I had aunts and uncles and stuff, but like, you know, there's just something about when you're not another, uh, when you're in a different area. I have trouble not making friends, but just yeah. I have a bunch of acquaintances. But there's only so many people. Maybe I count on one hand, one and a half, that um, I know that I could count on. So well, that's true. So yeah. being younger and coming up, like as I as I get older, I realize like I'm gonna have a million acquaintances, mm-hmm. but I'm not in the market of making necessarily like, like like friends. You know, at this point in life, it's well, that's it's, a as really, bad as that sounds. No, right? no,
0: I've said this before though. I think you're totally spot on. I've told this story to, I even told this to Justin before I met him or after I, you know, we became friends. One of the things I told everybody when I came back from New York, told Kevin this, told a bunch of my friends. I'm like, I'm done. Making friends. Any friends I make from today onward are bonus friends. Yeah. I have a lot yeah. of friends. I don't need any more friends. Like it's, I really got to click with you at this point. Yeah, yeah, I really got Anything I, I think that when you look around at the amount of friends we've had over the years, close friends, right? And you, you even said it. I can count on more than one hand people who if I called them right now and said, hey, I got a problem. Can you help me out? They would drop what they're doing and yeah. come help me, right? I think we're in the minority. I don't think a lot of people, I don't think that's that common. That people have, like, these deep-seated, deep-rooted friendships. And I hate to say it from the education standpoint. I look at, like, younger generations of kids. I don't know if they develop friend groups the same way that we do, did, like, 10 years ago.
4: No, I mean, you just look at... Their, we're pre-internet and internet. So, yeah. um, they're a lot of the young kids, they might have a million friends online. Yeah, yep. But them seeing kids get together in a public setting, there's... They might not even have a conversation. I mean, they could be texting each other in the same room. I mean, it's it's, crazy and sad at the same time. But I'm not going to be one of the getting older, crotchy people like, oh.
0: I really try and fight against it like every day. Like I try to think to myself, I really don't want to be old guy yelling at clouds. But I do find myself more and more yeah. every day being like, I feel like I want to yell at the clouds for at least a minute or two
4: you see, you see, like, because I consider myself a bit of old school, you see a yeah. lot of that old school stuff kind of going away, even, like, the family settings. And it's sad to say it is when I was a kid, it seemed like my grandparents or someone in the family was having, like, a holiday party yep. or a party all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's a mixture of circumstance, Economics, yep. all of that, um, that has made the family unit not as tight as it used to be. Not to say people don't conversate, but I ninety percent of the time that I talk to a lot of my family, it's like social media, like "Hey, cool, what's up?"
0: It's true, and I got to be honest, as I get I, maybe because my parents were divorced at a young age, and over the years people have moved away. I actually feel like the connections between myself and my extended family have gotten a little bit looser as they you know live in different yep. places, you don't see each other that often. But my connection between my immediate family, like me and my sisters and my mom and my stepdad and my niece and nephew, those connections feel yep. very strong, very tight. And in a way the same that, thing with me. The
4: immediate yeah. and just friends in general, like, I cherish you guys, like, my tight friends. Like, me, I haven't even known you as long as Justin, but, like, we are all different people. Well, you're a bonus friend. I didn't but, expect yeah, to have more friends, and then you just showed up. We're all different people, and then uh, <laughs> you, you realize, like, everybody's got... Stuff they can reach common ground on. We're all different, but like we all are the same, if that makes sense. Well, because I think the the
0: discussion in the world for the last couple of years got really polarizing. And yeah. I've even noticed with conversations now with people who I don't have even similar political backgrounds with, yeah. the vitriol is not quite what it was even a couple years ago. Yeah. I think the people, I think
4: people are getting a little tired,
0: a little burned out of being. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I hope so.
4: Well, as you, as you get older, you realize too, is like people like everybody's got something going on whether you know it or not it can be good or bad but people are busy people are trying to figure this thing life out yeah and uh you know you start to kind of lose focus on the important stuff when you're doing that you know whether it's you know you're being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. or something like made Utica, where you're putting a lot of effort into stuff and um i come now to when i get to see my mom or my brother the family time is amazing do you find that you're happy when you're
0: busy you're happier when you're busy as you're older?
4: Yeah, I mean, it depends on what the hell I'm doing. Well, you know, certainly, right? I've been, I've been in perpetual construction <laughs> right. on my yeah, house. It's and, true. Uh, it's to the point now to where four months ago, I'm like, ah, oh, paint this trim. That's nothing. Now yeah. I'm like, I hate you, trim.
0: <laughs> you've been, well, you. you, and this is, a, this is a good segue into some Father's Day stuff that I wanted to ask you about. You have been perpetually fighting with your house in terms of maintenance for, it feels like the last, it feels like it's been five years, but you've been doing some heavy renovation work.
4: Yeah, well, what I've come to realize is you can't trust anybody when it comes to uh, paying someone for a contract. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) I think that's the realest thing we've talked about so far. (laughs) And I also come to the realization that I know a lot of stuff when it comes to that, Yeah. but translating knowing something into physically doing it is a whole different thing. Like, I could do something. It might might look a little shoddy compared to paying, like, professional, but I was always one of those people, like, ah, do I want to pay for this? And then the one time I bite to pay for it, I get screwed over by the first contractor. So,
0: I feel like, and again, if there's any contractors out there who want to chat me up about what what goes on, something about contracting, I feel like there's a disconnect with the money stuff, right? Like you're, you 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 have someone come to your house, they look at it, and they say, "Oh, I think it's going to cost us this amount of money," right? You you don't pay them all that money up front. You pay the money as the work goes on, I would
4: imagine. It depends. Like typically, if a con- from what I know, there's contractors that will come in. They'll say, "All right, this is what you want done." They can look at the space, tell you the exact amount of materials they're going to need, right, based on measurements. Just yeah, yep. Um, you know, rough estimates on like the screws or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that. But uh, and then they will typically take like a half down mm-hmm. and half when the job is complete then you have other contractors who say you pay for all the materials as the homeowner and they say how much their labor is
0: right okay so it depends on who you're talking to right? yeah exactly yeah i feel like i've had i've known guys on the con, on the contracting side of this argument who say we put down like start building and then we never get paid and i never see that money and then we stop working yeah. and then i see people on the other side who are like the the contractors never stop working, so I never paid them. You know what I mean like yeah. it, it feels like there's a weird disconnect between like
4: the two sides of this coin. I think it's uh it comes down to business. Some people that start contracting business or any businesses maybe never were the like business owner material versus the worker. So they're not True. good at figuring out the financial side of it, what it's actually the cost of things. Or they give an estimate and they really want the job bad, so they come in super low and their time frames even lower. Yeah. And it's unobtainable.
0: Well, it's one of those things, right? Like I feel like all the people I know who are teachers, right? They're like, Why did you decide to be a teacher? Because it wasn't probably for the money, right? Yeah. And they're like, Oh, because I had family who grew up in yeah. education, I liked going to whatever it is, like whatever there's usually a reason. But it's not usually I make a lot of money. I don't know. Anybody I've ever met in my life who's like, I just love being a contractor. I could do it for no money, right? Like, I just love the idea of, like, building people. I've never met someone who feels that
4: way. Yeah, I mean, I know some people that they're contractors. They, it's a job to them. Yeah. But they are meticulous about the work. Like, they yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, they have pride in what they do. For sure. But they get enjoyment contractor wise out of maybe building something at their own house or custom yeah. all-wood furniture, dovetail joints, things like that, like... Well, that becomes another question, right? Like, how, when do
0: you decide that something is a hobby and something you want to do for a living? Because over the years, what I always said was I didn't want to have a job in the music industry because music and writing music when I was younger was what I did for fun. I was like, the minute this becomes the thing that I have to do for a paycheck, I might not love it the way I do right now and I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it. And I, I think that's nerve wracking for a lot of people when does something that becomes a hobby so i like i'm an amateur you know woodsmith or whatever yeah. right, 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 right what how long does that become when does that become less than a hobby and more of a pain in the ass <laughs> do you know what i mean when you start people asking yeah, you all the time a, right it's a
4: good question i mean there's i guess you walk that line because you might have a hobby or you might be really good at something you do on the side that's just you never even thought about selling the product or whatever yeah and then someone approached you one day and they're like oh i'll give you $5,000 for this wood sculpture or something. And you're like, okay. And then you're like, man, I could probably sell this stuff.
0: Well, that's not too far off, I feel like, from a lot of people who got into the card break stuff, right? Like, oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people started looking at this because it was popping back up with Speculator Boom and stuff, everything going on. And all of a sudden, like, wait a second, I can actually... This is viable. This is like a viable way of making a little extra money on the
4: side, right? Yeah, the card thing, that's a whole, that's a whole gambit in itself because... You have the people that are really into the hobby itself of just collecting cards. Like my two brothers, they're very into the hobby. They've been collecting for 20 plus years. But my brother Malachi, he's a stickler on, he doesn't want to make a million dollars. He's in it for the hobby. He He doesn't do breaks every other day, every day. And my brother Jason, who has his own separate group, and he does a lot of stuff through eBay, he went for being the super collector, which he still is to now it's like about the money it's about money. you know what i mean <laughs> but on we- the other end of it you have a lot of people that have known nothing about cards but they have the funds to purchase the hobby boxes or the you know to market the their website or their facebook group really well but that's kind of destroying at the same time that's why you're seeing the skyrocketing prices of retail boxes target and walmart target, are yeah. no longer selling them because people are getting in fights I saw this, by
0: the Pokemon cards—they're yeah,
4: everything. Like, you know, they—they—they they, they went from selling them regular. They probably two, three, four years ago couldn't sell out in a week, to having to limit it to one per customer, to not at all.
0: Well, that's what I think is the most fascinating thing about it, right? Because I—I've talked about this before. We grew up, and we're in the same age range, in the era when like if you knew that the internet was going to become what it was going to become you could have taken advantage of it. i look back i'm like damn i wish i had known back then what i know now i could have made a lot more money i think that happened with the like, cryptocurrency i think people's happening right now right with cryptocurrency i think for people who something like cryptocurrency seems intimidating cards and speculative collecting stuff feels a little bit more visceral more real it's a real tangible thing that like crypto is scary to some people it yeah. seems irrelevant I wonder if like you see a lot of people jumping on cards because people are trying to jump on things now and catch the hype, right? Like yeah, you see- it's the
4: it's, it's, it's same thing with crypto, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with the cards, it's... uh, Back in the day, you remember, you could buy the book and it had the value of the card in the book. Yes. You look the car- now, you they don't have that anymore. So when someone's selling a card, they call it a comp. You look for a comp, mm-hmm. which is a comparison sale of either the same card or um, something similar, and the way they do that is they go to eBay. They search the exact card, and then they go down and they check sold, and they look at the price of the same card or something similar that sold recently in the last month, two months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, during the off-season, all the card prices went down. Mm -hmm. Then people get hurt during the season, card prices go down. Like, I had a Joe Burrow autograph I pulled out of a $30 box a Rookie scripts Joe Burrow autograph. And um, when I pulled it, the comparison was like 1500 bucks. Yeah. Then he got hurt. Yep. And I ended up selling that card probably mistakenly for about $450. Well, I feel like that's where the stock comparison
0: comes, right? Like, you, if you go out—like, you're, you're a Miami Dolphins fan, right? So if you go out and you get a one of a hundred autographed Tua Tagovailoa card, right— You're sitting on that essentially hoping that in the next two to three years, he's like a top-tier starter in the NFL because that value is going to go up, right? But if you're sitting on that card for five years and he's not really there, you're still just sitting on a card of a guy you like, right? So you really just got to decide what you want to move on.
4: Well, and it also comes down to if you're just collecting. Like me, I I keep all my Dolphins cards out of (laughs) principle that I'm a Dolphins fan. Even the base cards.
0: You brought me some lovely Buffalo Bills cards I'll have to share with the audience after this is all over with. I like to share the joy. You do like to share the joy, which I appreciate a lot.
4: Um, You know, like I brought a Bledsoe card for Justin because he's obsessed with Drew Bledsoe.
0: America's number one predominant Drew Bledsoe super fan. I've never met any other person who's like, oh yeah, Drew Bledsoe is my guy.
4: I knew him for a year. We got talking about football and he's like, my first kid, his name is going to be Drew Bledsoe Parkinson. And I I was like, man, I said... We're best friends because my first kid's gonna be Dan Marino Wilson.
0: That's hilarious because my kids will never be named Jim Kelly Familaro. Yeah, the wife happen. uh, wasn't
4: happening. <laughs> I'm trying to get her. We got twins on the way. And I'm trying to get her to talk about or uh, name one of them Carl.
0: So I'm glad you brought that up. That was next on my list, as this is our Father's Day episode of the of the show here, episode 312. Congratulations,
4: twins! Yeah, I got twins on the way. Man, um, it's uh, it's surreal. To be honest with you, it's uh, I already have a four year old. Um, he's awesome. He's hilarious. One of the best things, outside of my wife, one of the best things to happen to me ever. Oh, yeah. um, I'm kind of a live wire, a little crazy guy. No, you know, um, <laughs> don't say uh And I always tell people like, you love someone different when they save your life and that's how I compare it to my wife. And then my son coming in, like the switch kicked on. It's like, I'm the protector. Mm-hmm. Not just a oh, dad. Yeah. I didn't oh, have yeah. a dad growing up. So I said, anybody can father a child, but not everybody can be a dad. Mm-hmm. So Father's Day is super important to me. But twins coming, scary, exciting, impatient all at the same time. It's. I'm glad you
0: say that, you know, because, like, I think about this stuff with, you know, growing up. Like, I had a sort of a strained relationship with my old man. And as Father's Day comes around every year, I catch myself finding more and more respect for my stepdad, right? Who I kind of didn't give any credit for for years and years of just hanging around, being good to my mom, you know, never yeah. being a problem, helpful, supportive, funny
4: guy. Dealing with asshole kids. Dealing with asshole <laughs> kids, right?
0: And I don't think, you know, as I think about Father's Day, so I'm like, man, because cause I was thinking about it. you you know, your son is four. Uh, you have twins in the way. Your kids are still sort of too young to, like, celebrate your your father
4: fatherhood skills. So what does, like, Father's Day look like
0: for a guy with kids your age?
4: Well, so now my son's extremely smart portrait. Yes, he is. So um, this year, I think, is the first year he understands, like, I mean, maybe not necessarily understands Father Father's Day, but Kate talks it up to him. So, like, he's excited, right. yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, he helped me pick out, I got a uh, dual drill. I got the compact and the yes, wall for yes. uh, Father's Day this year coming. <laughs> and he was so excited because he helps me build everything in the house. He got his little, you know, uh, craftsman hammer, fake hammer, and all of that. Oh, the best. And, um, you know, it's uh, Father's Day for him, I think he just knows the celebration. Yeah, yeah. He might get a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup yeah. or something, you know, but for me, man, it's, uh, like I said, growing up not celebrating that like my mom was my father yeah my mom was my mother Um, for father's day for my whole life i used to wish it to my mother like i'd send my mom a card or give her a card take her to dinner well you probably know this just as
0: well as i do my dad wasn't quite as gone as a lot of people's old men are so i don't not mean to disparage anybody who's never even like seen their fathers around but when you grow up without like a direct male influence sometimes you start Looking in other places for it, right? You start like looking all over the place. Like, I feel like I looked at like comic books and like superheroes and professional wrestling, looking for these like over the top like male figures in my life.
4: Yeah, I was, uh, for me, I was, I got, you know, I had father figures in a sense, like my grandfather, um, you know, not a, not a dig at my mom or anything, but being a single mother, never getting burned by my dad, she, uh, I had a lot of boyfriends. I can remember, you know, 20, 30 people in my whole life. I'm 36 yeah. years old. So some of them were around longer than others yeah. and so some of them taught me lessons, learned lessons from observation. Um but that'll never replace the yearning of a child looking for a dad. So I acted out um I'd say probably uh I um tried to impress people. You you get into that mode where you just to, you just want friends, you want people around you to yeah. whatever. So you start doing that. Um, and I met my dad at like 13, 14 years old, and that was like a great day for me. And then as you get older, you kind of see why he did what he did, and you learn about his life, and so I don't blame him, but it doesn't change the psychological effects on a child, so... It's weird, right, because when you're a
0: kid, you know, I talk about all my my high school students talk about this almost every time I get a chance to, um, you know, when you grow up and you're a little kid, your parents are like talismanic figures, right? They exist in your world as like the sun and moon, right? And it's only when you get into your late teens, early 20s for some people, sometimes even later for a lot of people, when you realize that like your parents were not here specifically to have you and your brothers and sisters, right? They were just also regular people, right? So once you realize that your parents were at one point in time just regular old folks living around, I think it goes a lot farther understanding it. I didn't understand why my parents got divorced when I was a kid. However, as I get older yeah. and I know their personalities and what they were like both then and now, I don't have as many questions. Yeah. All right? I'm like, okay, I see what
4: happened. For me now, being <laughs> yeah. 36 years old and seeing what it takes mm-hmm. to have a longer relationship, um, you know, I my mom is like a superhero to me now yeah. because I think about... How much I my household income is, and still to live a a comfortable life, what it takes to do that, and thinking that my mom as a single mom worked three jobs, went to college, and took care of two children is yeah. unbelievable. I don't know how you, how you did it. She tells me stories of like waiting tables at Howard Johnson's for two dollars an hour. It's wild
0: to the way that people from a, ge- a generation before us will say some stuff that seems outrageous. Yeah. Like it was no big deal. Yeah. Right? Like, oh yeah, I worked there in my spare time and I made 30 cents an hour. You're like, what? Why?
4: Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't remember my you know, your parents will have them, especially moms will have them like uh meltdowns to oh, you know, I do I've done all this for you, oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And when you're younger, you're like, oh, F you type mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you're acting out yourself. <laughs> but like, man, you think about it. I always say my mom, she'll like come over. I'll pay for dinner or something. And she'd be like, no, let me get it. And I'm like, Mom, I owe you like a million dollars at least. Just for everything you've done for me over the years.
0: Well, I think that's what's really nice when I see like you and Porter, right? Because, you know, Porter's like your butt. He's your pal, right? Oh, like, yeah. I, I, even with my nephews who are getting old enough to where they like certain things that I like or into certain yep. things I'm into, even them, they're always a little like thrown off from me. Where it seems like everything I see, like Porter seems totally invested in everything you do with them.
4: Yeah, well, that's what is fun <laughs> now at his age is... You know, when one, two years old, he's just living life, crawling around, all that. But now he's getting into, I have the arcades in the house. That's uh, right, that's right. I got him playing Super Mario Brothers last year. And this kid is good. And he got obsessed with Mario, to where you'd stop by the house, and he'd be in a full Mario costume. Like, he wanted to wear it every day, all day. And then um, I got him to play Sonic. Now everything's about Sonic. And so, uh, you know, that's cool. He gets into superheroes, and he's watching... Old cartoons and like that's the best part about it.
0: Well, I saw you. I was looking on your Facebook before you get over here. I saw. I was reminded he's starting the t-ball right now. Oh yeah. How are you doing as a parent in the audience watching your son do sports?
4: Well, here's the fun part about that is uh, hopefully his coach doesn't hear this, but his coach is horrible. <laughs> it's as if they um, just didn't have enough coaches. Which if I knew. I mean, I was doubting myself. I played, that was my next question, actually. I played T-ball in uh, yeah. Little League and all that, but I never considered myself knowledgeable enough to be a coach. But then I see this guy, and I, I'm blown away. So basically during games now, he goes up and sets the ball on the tee, and me and another dad are yep. first-base and third-base coaches, and we're actually scheduling practices and the group text messages and stuff because they the coach just wasn't going to – Do practice.
0: I can see this being a thing that, you know, I know we've joked around. Justin and I have been saying for years that we want to, like, coach teams. Like, we were trying to coach, like, a team together.
4: You're going to have to. It's just, you know, we got a text message tonight. His game was canceled because of weather, but the coach just texted, like, two hours before the game. And he's like, hey, um, I'm not going to make it tonight. Um, I had something come up, Mm. but the game is still on, and I'm not sure if I can get the tees or the baseballs or the helmets. Yeah. Two hours prior. prior, And I'm like, okay. So, I was like, I have a tee. I have some balls and stuff. We can still do it if the parents are down. So, do you got to go do this after this? Well, no, they all canceled because of the rain. I was going to say. But, um, Jeez. you know, when I was in Little League as a kid, like, you practiced. You learned the fundamentals. If anything, you took you away from it was teamwork. <laughs> you well, know, these kids were literally piling on each other, throwing dirt in each other's faces to get the ball.
0: So, I think what's interesting about this, I was a bad sports kid. Like, I yeah. played all the sports, played baseball, I played. Basketball, I played football, uh, soccer early on. Bad at all of them. I do think there was a benefit for a guy like me very early on learning to lose gracefully oh. because I lost a lot. I know a lot. Every kid I talked to was like, "Oh, I was the star of my my baseball team." I'm like, I don't know what how all of you guys are on like star baseball teams, but I was. Every team I was on was the worst, and in last place, and it was usually because of me. <laughs>
4: I got lucky cuz my childhood best friend this kid named uh, Tim Johnston who went by TJ back then. Yeah, yeah, Who ended up being like a coach up at UGA college and all that. His dad was our little league coach and TJ was like really just athletic naturally. He was a yeah, yeah. pitcher on the mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. and so I was the catcher cuz it was my boy and all that. And so that kind of when you're playing sports and you play with people better than you, yes. It makes you perform and get better at a different mm-hmm. level um i also realized that certain sports where i might have been good here in new york i went to pennsylvania i wrestled oh, yeah. one year here in new york and then mm-hmm. i went and stayed with my dad for a year because i was acting out my mom's like oh the grass is greener go stay with your dad <laughs> yeah, i go so there it's like <laughs> this area of pennsylvania is like the wrestling football state yeah so yeah. i went there the first wrestling match i had eighth grade this kid's got a full arm tattoo yep i'm like holy <laughs> shit like Me, I got gelled hair, LA looks. The crispy gel, too. You know, I'm out there (laughs) thinking I'm all cool shit, and I go out, and this kid pinned me in, like, four seconds. Oh, yeah. And my dad broke my balls the entire season. Oh, yeah. Because my two brothers that grew up in Pennsylvania, they're really, really, really good. Like, state champs, all of that. And me, I'm over there getting manhandled by a kid with a tattoo in eighth
0: grade. Was that as close as you got in terms of, like, a sport that you were like, oh, I'm good at this? Or what was your sport of choice back then?
4: So, um, I played little league. I played league. football.
0: Um, you have a look of a guy who would have been good at baseball to me. I feel like you probably had some baseball in you. Somewhere well, so here's along the thing away. is
4: not having a dad to play, and I won't blame it on that, but I was one of those kids that, like I said, I always wanted to be with my friends. Yeah, yeah. I didn't sure. like being yeah. home by myself, yeah. getting in my head. So, if it wasn't practice, I wasn't at home practicing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I found myself. Um, Afraid of the ball sometimes, like yep. I admit this stuff now yep. back then, like, oh, it was just a you know bad out,
0: but, yep, yeah. Oh, I was afraid of the ball for sure, you big know, time.
4: And I also got hit two or three times, it kind of oh, yeah. perpetuated that. But, um, you know, as I got older, I found some uh, it sounds weird. I'm uh, I play volleyball still to this day, yeah, that's I, right. Uh, that's I broke right. my ankle my freshman year of high school at a wrestling practice, mm-hmm. and so for rehab stuff, we were doing like jumps, um. It's tough to explain through a podcast, but we were uh, running along the wall, of the gym, just jumping up, and the volleyball team was practicing. Yeah, and so as I got more comfortable, I uh, I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna try out for volleyball. There's some cute girls on the girls team, yeah. and some kids I knew were on the men's team or on the uh, the high school team. Yeah, so I tried out, and I ended up being pretty good. It was something I always liked to do, like yeah. gym class and all that. So. We're talking competitive volleyball. People laugh when they hear this, but I'm talking competitive. Like, mm. bump, set, spike every time. Yeah, yeah. We had kids on my team in high school. We ended up being, like, regional champs. I played uh, Empire State games. Um, I took it to the next level. But no matter what I did in life as far as sports, I never put the extra time in. because Never. If you know never. me, <laughs> I usually have at least 30 things going all at the same time. Like, serial entrepreneur. Yeah. um, just a million things going on. Like, I always wanted to stay busy, so I didn't get my head at home, if that makes sense. So, um, I really liked volleyball. I enjoyed football, but when it came to football, like, we talked about losing was, uh, gracefully. My high school football team fucking sucked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were good, but all of us were sore losers. When I went out on the football field, like, during a kickoff, Eur. I wanted to kill the person on the other side. There was Eur. no
0: like, a bigger, stronger guy than I am in general. You're taller than me. You're just jet naturally a bigger guy than me. But I also think, even for a guy like you, to a certain level, unless you are exponentially talented, yeah. right, you're going to hit a limit for where football becomes too much of a problem. Like Even if you were the best guy at your high school, you're still going to have to go be the best guy at your college full of everybody's best guy at every high school. Like... Yeah, somewhere was, along the way, like you gotta have like the physical something that I don't think. See, I'm one of the i I never would have had it.
4: I'm one of the believers. Like unless you're really tiny, like if you put the work in and the effort, yeah, I think the sky's the yeah. limit. You see, like a Malcolm Perry in the NFL, he played for Navy. That's baby. true. He's a tiny guy. I mean, you see some. Look at the Devonte Smith. Yeah, like true. everybody's talking crap about him, 165 pounds or whatever he is, but you know, top draft pick going to the NFL. I mean, he's not the yeah average. Receiver size that you would have thought about ten years ago. No,
0: it's true. And I just spent like a, uh, a whole thing yesterday arguing about how soccer like doesn't matter what height you are like it's irrelevant if you're five foot six or yeah. six foot three. We had depend- Bogues back in the Mugsy Bogues, day. Bogues. It's you know,
4: true. Um, I think you put the time and effort into anything, one hundred and ten percent. You could be the best at it. Oh yeah. You know, and that was has always been my problem is I take on so many things at once that I could never put a hundred percent into, yeah, everything whether it was, you know, anything um so i have one last uh i got a little a couple more father's
0: day things for you before we close out with some questions as you mentioned you're having twins are on the way yes, i have sir. to ask you are you guys gonna do like uh like the rhyming names type thing is it gonna be like kevin and devin larry and jerry are no. you guys gonna i watch? mean if
4: she would let me name them larry and jerry i would totally do that um she gets mad right now because i'll rub her belly and I'm like, okay, oh, I just felt Carl moving. She's like, <laughs> his name is not going to be Carl. I was like, how about Bruce? Bruce. <laughs> I was trying to think of the most absurd classic names, but uh,
0: Eddie. Eddie's a good one. I
4: was. We are. I wanted to stick with the peas. I did, but interesting. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that you'll come up with a thousand names, and then that day, you know, maybe a couple days at a time, you might have something picked out. But I told her, I I picked Porter. She, um, I said if you want to name these ones, you hmm. can name them. We've already had a couple ideas, and then two weeks later, they changed. So, yeah, but I liked uh, she liked Paisley for a girl, Paisley, it's and uh, nice. I like Parker. You remember the Parker Parker Lewis on that show back in the yeah, day? Yeah, he was a guy. And yeah, I remember. Parker well, we have Porter, and I thought Parker would be cool just to keep the peas going. You don't want Peter. I think you could do a
0: whole beer thing. You could do like uh, you got Porter, yeah. you could do, do like. It. Stout Whit Wilson, yeah, Stout and Wit. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Stout yeah. Wilson and Whit Wilson. I think in you're way. into it. Whit Wilson. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> and also, similarly, because my mom used to do this to my sisters, even though they weren't twins, they were like within a year of each other. Yeah. You can do the thing where you dress them up in the same outfit for a while, like sailor suits, matching matching outfits. You, yeah, I feel like you I got, mean, got to for a couple years. mean, <laughs> they
4: fraternal though? I know a lot of like twin parents would do that if they're identical to tell them apart. Yeah, but um. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's just crazy. To uh, not to get too personal, but we uh, we had a miscarriage in that's December. Right. My yeah. wife got COVID, and mm-hmm. they kind of think that's why her body was like, you know, we yeah. can't do both of these. So, yeah. um, to get the news when you're kind of feeling that maybe, maybe you can't can't get pregnant or whatever the circumstances are to get the news of twins, it really gave me like cold chills in the sense of maybe a higher power it was like, yeah. sorry about that. Here's two. Well, I think it's I think it's important
0: you bring it up though because you know I've talked to my, my, this happened and I won't say who to my family because I've never asked their permission, but I've had family members very close to who the very first time they were attempting to have yeah. children they had miscarriage. I want to say twice. Yeah. The first two times, right? A lot and of people they, don't talk about it. Yeah. it. It used to be like taboo. But I think the idea is that it's not as common as it is and it's relatively common in the scheme of things and i think that scares people because they don't hear it talked about in regular conversation that's
4: uh that's why i brought it up on the original facebook post when we just announced it a couple days ago is um you know it's taboo to talk about i thought Kay would get mad but like i can't tell you how many people i know had miscarriages over the last Mm -hmm. year two years like just two family members alone um you know and one of them's they're uh had successful, there I'm um, gonna be having a baby here before us, but um, it's just something that it happens a lot, and it, it there's so many different factors that can do that, whether it's stress or whatever, and um, to just find out we were having twins was like, it was just, it was the feeling was crazy, yeah. when she told me she's like oh, baby A or baby's uh, heartbeat is great, and I'm like that's wonderful because when she called me you never know what yeah. the news is right of course be. yeah yeah, and then she's like baby B. The, oh. the other baby's heartbeats. Probably, I was like, wait, what? Excuse me? Come again? Um, when you get that, it's scary because, you, like you said, you think of finances and you think of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a natural course. But of, at yeah. the same time, it is what it is. And uh, I, whether you believe in God or not, I'm always on the fence between God and just a higher power. Yep. Um, they'll never give you more, I think, than you can handle. Hmm. Um, you might think you can't handle stuff, oh. but you just got to stick your nose to the grindstone, man. I don't even know if that's the term, but... Well, well I have to it. admit,
0: I'm, I'm very happy for you guys, because I was really, you know, I, I knew how excited you guys were oh, when yeah. everything went down. So, I'm I'm glad that things seem to be working out in a way, and I'm glad you're going to have, uh, a party of five now, as you yeah, guys man. refer to it. Party uh-huh. of five. It's, like you, it's wild. like how you've moved Molly right out of that discussion. She's no longer part of the party. Molly's but. on her way out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
4: I love Molly to death. Party <laughs> of five, um... Yeah, party five Molly. We'll say five and a half.
0: She, <laughs> she, she's a real needy girl now. Uh, before we get into our lightning round questions, uh, just wanted to check in with you. Uh, people come down to the park uh, to see Zalatan on Thursday. Stop by Old School Cool. You're gonna be there this Thursday. Oh yeah,
4: I got a couple new things to add. Um, I started featuring some local brands yes. as well. So, we yeah. response. Yeah. We have brought you a hat. Love it. It's great. Shout out to my buddy Smoke. He uh, gotta get him on the podcast. Great, days. great local product. Like yeah. he guys his own tags. Everything he does, all the artwork himself. And, uh, I've noticed you, uh, speaking of
0: Father's Day stuff, I noticed you got a lot of the, the kids' sneakers, which is quite a, quite a pull, I think, for that stuff.
4: The kids' stuff, uh, it started when Porter was a baby. Yeah. I started buying, like, uh, sneakers on eBay, going to thrift, thrift stores, and I watched a ton of YouTube videos on how to kind of clean these and restore them. Yeah. And, um, it became, like, an obsession. So I said, I want to share, I picked out all my favorite ones that I, I'll never get rid of. Yeah. Because we have kids coming, and then I put some that I think other kids could enjoy, and, um. Sneakers are expensive, even yeah. for kids when you're talking yeah. Jordans and Nikes and all that and
0: especially once the kids get old enough to where they want specific things. Oh yeah. right. So I think I have been looking at it, it seems to be about fourth, fifth grade is the time when you're starting to get into that zone where kids have some autonomy about like what they're interested in. Yeah, but
4: I mean even now, like some of his sneakers, if I were to buy them brand mm-hmm. new, are hundred bucks, hundred fifty. Yeah, you're I'd also
0: say. fashion forward. Like Porter probably sees that you are fashion forward. If You and... want to call that. <laughs> I call it that. Some I...
4: people call it just dumb a weirdo i wear a, you know, crazy pattern shirt know, with a, a duster jacket.
0: I shout out my friend Eric Tuttle all the time on this. Shout out to Eric Tuttle, another new dad on Father's Day. Um, Eric used to, you know, had dope fashion, I'll call it. Like, real avant-garde fashion. Especially You were in telling
4: me he used to keep the jeans in the freezer, right? That was Goldstein. He used oh, to keep Goldstein. the jeans in the freezer. Shout but say,
0: they were both the same way. Yeah. They would wear real fly stuff, stuff yeah. from Supreme, real flashy stuff. And they look and they thought, like, they looked cool as shit. I mean and they felt confident in how they looked. If I wore the same exact outfit, it's not that I wouldn't look cool or not in it, Uh it's that in my mind, I'd be like, I think people were looking at me, I feel like a weirdo. I'm not like I wasn't prepared for like what I was too worried about other people were thinking of the outfit that I was wearing and not whether or not I liked the outfit. And I wonder if that's something to do with the fashion thing. Like just being like I feel good in this and that's all that matters and that's what makes it My particular style.
4: So for me, I always, because I came from different areas, like coming from Virginia to New York, um, to a rural part of New York, um, the fashion, what I wore, I was wearing like Carl Canai turtlenecks. Yeah. um, A little more urban style. I'd say back in the day, I cared more about what people thought. Although I'm sure what a lot of people saw in me, they thought it just looked ridiculous. But um, now I I wear crazy stuff, but I wear it because I like it. I don't really...
0: It's like dancing. If I go out dancing now by the bar, I'm not dan- dancing with press women. I'm dancing because I'm trying to dance. Like I used to Have go and buy
4: $200 jeans. Now, I I just look for jeans that I like. Like I'm always a fan of Levi's. Oh, yeah. But um, here's a tip for Expensive. people. Walmart has Levi's Signature Series. If people don't realize that they're Levi's, if you put them next to a pair of $65 Levi's, yeah, yeah. they're almost unnoticeable.
0: That's um, that's how you get in a dad stage. I can tell you you're getting yeah, a dad stage. Well, I'm with you, brother. Thrift store
4: shopping for me. I like <laughs> yeah. to. I just like stuff that I like, and I don't have to spend a hundred dollars on a shirt. I mean, I have some shirts <laughs> like my uh, Sandlot shirt yeah, and yeah. Uh, stuff like that that are probably too pricey. But I just like what I like and.
0: And uh, before we get to the end here, card breaks, if people want to follow you, where can they go to follow the card break stuff you've been doing?
4: They can go to um, Mal's Sports John, that's my brother's group, on uh, Facebook, Mal, M-A-L, apostrophe S, Sports John, (laughs) J-A-W-N. Sports John, they live in Virginia, so it makes a lot of sense. But um, (laughs) if you want to get into some breaks or just check it out, um, outside of that, I'm always posting cards and stuff for sale, so...
0: And of course, we are joined on our sixth anniversary episode by our very close personal friend from Maiden Utica, the man behind old school cool Zach Wilson. I don't even, this has got to be like your fourth or fifth time on
4: here now. I'd say. I think it's only like my third. Really? Yeah.
0: I have to look back in there. Shout
4: out to my uh, photo booth company too, Mad Props. We're going to be kicking it out. I was back just going to ask here. you, are we back? We're, we're getting back there. I just started taking some quotes in. Um, I wanted to get to the house. Like I said, I'm at the point in life where if I can't put 110% into something, yeah. I will not push it. So no. being a business and when you're doing people's weddings, like I want to be mentally present yeah Mm -hmm. 110 yeah so i'm almost to that point here so we'll be pushing that looking into next year events and all that
0: zach i have some new lightning round questions for you these are not the same lightning round questions we generally ask everybody who's been on the show because not a lot of people are on that regularly so they don't get the new questions uh i'll start off with a i'll start off with a relatively easy one for you here zach what is the best trip or outing you remember as a child and what made it great?
4: Um, I'm gonna say, uh, how caverns.
0: Yo, how caverns? We just talked about how caverns a few weeks ago. Underrated.
4: Third grade. I've always been into like weird stuff. Yeah, like that. geology. And say, ge- yeah. Yeah. Just you know, stones, rocks, anything. But that th- was a great trip. Third grade.
0: How caverns reminds me a little bit of uh, baseball Hall of Fame, in the idea that you kind of forget because we live so close to these things that they're cool. Right, like, I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame so many times when I was a kid. After a while, I'm like, ugh, going to the Baseball Hall of Fame again. With the card thing,
4: when people find out I live, like, 45 minutes, 40 minutes from the Baseball Hall of Fame, they're like, whoa, you must go all the time. I was like, man, I haven't been in 15 years. years.
0: (laughs) I used to not get excited to go to the Hall of Fame when I was a kid. I would get excited because going to Cooperstown meant my grandfather would buy me a new hat from one of the hat stores. And that's really what I was looking forward to, new baseball hat, right? I grew like, up
4: poor, so we, it's not an Audi we took often. I look more forward to like, it once a year, I'd say. Uh, Clark's Gym out there, Cooperstown Fun yeah, Party.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, tell me something that's considered a basic part of your current career that you struggled to learn initially. I guess you have a couple different, you have your hat and a lot of...
4: Yeah, I mean, if you—if we're talking screen printing, yeah. um, I'd say... Uh, overcoming the uh, impatient side of me. Call it ADD, mm. whatever you want. is yeah. like, you're printing a thousand shirts, two color. You're not, you can print as fast as you want. They're not going anywhere. So you learn to kind of just set a pace that's, that's comfortable. Um, as far as my other businesses, old school cool, it's just, uh, now I live for the haggle when it comes yeah. to old school cool. <laughs> and then with Mad Props, it's just dealing with people, drunk huh. people. You know, just yeah. uh dealing with the public, knowing that you can't, I can't. If someone gets out of line as a drunk person at a wedding and says something stupid, yeah, the old Zach would have smacked them. Oh yeah, you know. But now the new Zach's like, "Hey, it's all right, buddy. Here, have a good night. Uh, Drowning your vomit." <laughs> <laughs> you are you are being immortalized in the Utica
0: Deli. We're naming a sandwich after you, the Zach Wilson. What's on the sandwich?
4: I'd probably call it the Billy Stacks. The Billy Stacks, for sure. And it'd be uh, cold-cut chicken, mm-hmm. cold-cut ham, Yep. cold-cut salami. I'm loving it already. Splash of Italian dressing. Yep. No oil, mm-hmm. just a splash of Italian dressing. I dig it. Provolone cheese. Smart man. And um, bread and butter chip pickles. Ooh, that little sweetness. My man.
0: Uh, what fictional family would you like to belong to?
4: Probably the Winslows. The Winslows, yes. yes.
0: Yes. I was gonna I was thinking to myself, I was like he's gonna pick the Bankses from Fresh Prince. That was my initial thought. Uh,
4: they're too you, bougie for me. A little too bougie? Yeah, they would have kicked me out in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Winslows, <laughs> you know. True. Blue collar uh, working blue class car, family. He was a cop, you have to you know, hang out with
0: Urkel though. He's showing up at your house all the time.
4: Urkel? He probably would have been hanging out with me. He That's been like true. like my brother. Hassel
0: and Laura would be coming in by. I would have yeah. been the
4: one being like. <laughs> What's up, <laughs> losers? And then uh, down the road, we'd be best friends because you he helped me build my computer. What's a futuristic technology
0: that doesn't exist currently but you'd like to have? Um,
4: oh man, that's a good one. It's a tough one. Probably a... Uh, man, that is a tough one.
0: I've, I've only done this one twice with people, and this one throws people off. This, this is a tough question. It would
4: probably be if I could just... Set this machine, put the, like work on the house. Set this machine in the room, and it paints it for me.
0: Yes, like a, like a Roomba, but for painting your house.
4: or folding laundry. Working in uh like Yo. screen printing, I have folded so mm-hmm. many shirts now that when I get home and I do laundry, I don't want to fold nothing.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I've... I hang up.
4: I hang up everything. T-shirts, yeah, oh, that's a it's, good uh, point. it's crazy I didn't think about that because I I'm I'm a stickler on ironing. Like I can't stand a wrinkled shirt. Yep. So I will. I will iron. Oh, buddy! I will iron shitty T-shirts. <laughs> Let me tell you before uh, I
0: wear them. How many of my shirts are gross and wrinkled right now? Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Could be something that you and Kate are watching. Well,
4: um, as far as listening, I've been listening to uh, a lot of Griselda stuff. The guy's out of Buffalo, um, and then there's a guy out of uh, Syracuse, goes by Stove God Cooks. He's a rapper, mm-hmm. but it's like that nineties. 90s- Style. Yo, that was the thing I was gonna tell you about. Do you know who Peter Rosenberg? is? Yeah.
0: So Peter Rosenberg curated an album this year. Yeah. Like he put he produced an album, and it's really good. Really. It's like I, I, look, I know people don't like Rosenberg. He's kind of he's a fifty-fifty. People either really love him or hate him. Yeah. It's very old school. It's very '90s. It's yeah. right in your wheelhouse. I spent a couple of days earlier this week listening to this it. Stuff's coming back. It's banging. I got to send it to you. Um,
4: oh, and then as far as our shows. Um, i always I always I watch Sopranos twenty four seven. the best. I have a station that's literally twenty four seven Sopranos, and then I tried like uh, Jupiter's Rising, or I think yeah. that's what it is. I find something cool and good about superhero shows that showcase that not every superhero in your brain, even though they could be the good guy technically, yeah, is actually a good guy.
0: Did you watch Invincible? No. That was okay. Same kind of idea. Like, Invincible is very yeah. subversive about like, how it treats you. You watch The Boys, obviously. Yeah. I think that was probably the best one of those things yeah. I've
4: watched. Yeah, and uh, so far. outside of that, I've been just waiting for the uh, Saints of Newark. To come oh, out. dude. The prequel to Sopranos. I've been. The second it comes out, I'm ready now. I've been ready for months. Yeah, if I'm working, I'm taking
0: Do you listen a week to the out. podcast? The Sopranos podcast?
4: Did you guys do it? No, 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 no. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. like, there is oh. an actual
0: Sopranos podcast no. with.
4: Oh, it's got all Christopher the yeah, and Christopher, yeah. Bacala. I heard about it, but I didn't have a chance to... i got to be honest, it's not very. They're okay. Yeah.
0: They're not good interviewers. Okay. So whenever they have somebody come on to the show, it's just like Steve Shurepa kind of yelling oh, and yeah. Michael Imperioli talking about how he knows the person they're talking about somehow. Yeah. But when they actually get down to talking about the episodes, I'm, I'm there for that. Oh, yeah. Like once they start breaking them down. That insider look. Yeah. And last but not least, what, if you know by now, is waiting for you at home for dinner when you get home tonight
4: leftovers monday's leftovers yeah we had i made shish kebabs sunday night so we had, i made about 35 <laughs> skewers for kate and i i love it purposely so to have leftovers once you get to that point with kids and all that you live for the leftovers you over make so that way oh
0: you get paged i don't even
4: know what it is its screen.
0: Wow, a blank screen. Well, listen, Zach, I've left you much longer than I told you we would be on here. So oh, I appreciate you spending some time. And again, six years of the UDIC Cast, seven years of maybe Udic, It's been a good run. Man. Yeah. And I appreciate you spending some time with us here for Father's Day. You know, and for our 6 year anniversary. Uh, follow Zach. I'll make the link for all the, uh, the sports stuff back to the show in just a moment. Peace! To our good friend, Zach Wilson, a.k.a. Billy Stacks, a.k.a. the old school cool guy. Oh, yeah. Check him out on Thursday as you check out Zalatan. Got all new stuff from old school cool. I got to tell you, he brought us some gifts. Got me this hat. Uh-huh. Got me some cards.
2: Brought you some, some gifts. He yeah. tried to bring you a gift. I tell people, don't bring me a hat. They're like, oh, no, it's going to be it's all fit. No, it won't. <laughs> it I- will I've not had, fit. I've had this hat my whole life. I don't tell over. me oh yeah you found some casual place where it's like oh have you tried yes I've tried
0: uh, alright guys let's, uh, let's do our let's take our history lesson medication for the week uh, it'll go down easy I promise mm. on this day 1777 during the American Revolution the Continental Congress adopted a resolution stating that the flag of the United States be 13 alternate stripes red and white and that the Union be 13 stars white and a blue field representing a new constellation. Uh, the flag which became known as the Stars and Stripes was based on the Grand Union flag, a banner carried by the Continental Army in 1776 that also consisted of 13 red and white stripes. According to legend, Philadelphia seamstress Betsy Ross designed the new cannon, uh, canton for the Stars and Stripes, which consisted of a circle of 13 stars in a blue background at the request of General George Washington. This is where I have to step in as a history teacher and tell you that there is no proof that this happened. (laughs) Yeah, this is like one of those things that is considered... People are unsure if this is a legend or not. There's like no documentation proving that any of this happened. But it is one of those popular things you hear, and there's no guarantee that it's not true either. Uh, With the entrance of the new states into the United States after independence, the new stars and stripes were added to represent new additions to the Union. In 1818, however, Congress enacted a law stipulating that the 13 original stripes be restored that only stars be added to represent new states. On June 14, 1877, the first Flag Day observation was held on the 100th anniversary of the adoption of the Stars and Stripes. As instructed by Congress, the U.S. flag was flown for all public buildings across the country, and in the years after the first Flag Day, several states continued to observe the anniversary. In 1949, Congress officially designated June 14 as Flag Day, National Day of Observance. The reason I know this is because I didn't get the memo this morning that we were supposed to wear, like, Americana-type stuff to work today because it was flag day. Mm. So I walked in, like, everyone had, like, American flag gear on, and I did not. You're
2: actually, you know what? Well, next time, tell them that you're not supposed to. uh, Yeah, I know. They're directly, directly uh, in defiance of the United States flag code. That's true. That's true. It's You're true. You're 100% not, add, not supposed to have the American flag replicated on your clothing mm-hmm. or pictures of it on, like, shirts or shoes or hats. I didn't know or, that. Yeah, yeah. You actually, I learned a lot about the U.S. flag code. I think when I was a kid, like, in Boy Scouts, you got to learn it because you have to do, like, flag taking mm-hmm. down. But also, I learned a lot about it when, like, the, the kneeling at the NFL game started. And yep. I needed to educate myself a little bit to counteract the argument, like, oh, it's being disrespectful of the flag. It's like, mm-hmm. well, actually, if you look at all these one billion things where people are actually disrespecting the flag... You know, there's a lot of ways that this is happening. Otherwise, but that was back when I took arguments like that in good faith. I think a little more than I do now. But so yeah, tell them that next time. Be like oh, I'm not wearing it because I actually do respect the flag. So Ooh, how about like it? It? Oh, that's a good so one. It's so good. Good. how about that? Yeah, pretty start good. right at them.
0: I just meant I could have worn my U.S.
2: soccer jersey and got away
0: with wearing that instead of a polo shirt for work. I think
2: only if you go full kit.
0: Full kit. Would've you have gotta to go, go full, kit.
2: full, full kit. soccer it's true. star. It's true. You <laughs> got the socks. Wear like I the, have the I, You know, I
0: actually <laughs> do have the kit that goes all together. I know. On this day. 1858, uh, newly appointed senatorial candidate Abraham Lincoln addressed the Illinois Republican Convention in Springfield and warned that the nation faced a crisis that could destroy the Union. Mm. Speaking to more than a thousand delegates in an ominous tone, Lincoln paraphrased a message from the New Testament, quote, A house divided against itself cannot stand. issue dividing the nation was slavery's place in the growing Western territories and the extent of federal power over individual state rights. Lincoln declared that only the federal government had the power to end slavery. While the southern states relied on an economic and lifestyle dependent on the cheap labor provided by African American slaves, the North opposed slavery on moral grounds. Northern states also considered industrialization and manufacturing the key to America's economic future, not farming. The entrance of new states into the Union, such as Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska, brought to a head unresolved conflicts over whether state or federal government should make the final decision regarding slavery. For his part, Lincoln firmly believed that slavery was immoral and was wholly incompatible with the uh, the principles of uh, the Declaration of Independence embodied, including the phrase, all men are created equal. However, Lincoln at the time prioritized preserving the Union above all else. After Lincoln's speech, several of his friends expressed dismay at its quote-unquote radical content. (laughs) Leonard Leonard Sweet, a lawyer and friend of Lincoln's, later wrote that Lincoln's talk of using federal power to end slavery was, quote, "...unfortunate and inappropriate," unquote, although Sweat admitted that, in retrospect, Lincoln was ultimately correct. Uh, At the time, the people of Louisiana ultimately agreed with Sweat, however, and Lincoln lost the close senatorial race in 1858 to the more moderate Stephen Douglas, who advocated state sovereignty. Lincoln's eloquent speech, though, earned him national attention, and his strong showing in the polls encouraged the people to back his ultimately successful bid for presidency two years later in 1860. So there you go. Don't say you never learned nothing from reading history. Some of this stuff feels very topical even today. Uh, Guys, that was pretty heavy. Let's do some lighter stuff to close out history lessons today. On this day, 1884, the very first roller coaster in America opens at Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York. Known as the Switchback Railway, it traveled approximately six miles per hour. Woo! Cost a whopping nickel to ride. New entertainment was an instant success, and by the turn of the century, there were hundreds of roller coasters across the country. Coney Island, or Rabbit Island as it was known at the time, was a tract of land along the Atlantic Ocean developed by Henry Hudson. I'm sorry, discovered by Henry Hudson in 1609. First hotel opened in 1829. and by the post-Civil War years, it was an established resort with theaters, restaurants, racetracks. Between 1897 and 1904, three theme parks sprang up on Coney Island's uh, on the landmass. That would be Dreamland, Luna Park, and Steeplechase Park. By the 1920s, Coney Island was reachable by subway, and summer crowds of more than a million people a day flocked there for rides, games, sideshows, the beach, and the two-and-a-half-mile boardwalk completed in 1923. A hot dog is also said to be invented at Coney Island in 1867 by Charles Feltman. In 1916, a nickel hot dog stand called Nathan's was opened by a former Feltman employee and went on to become a Coney Island institution and international franchise. Today, Nathan's is famous for both its hot dogs and its world-famous hot dog eating contest held every July 4th. I wonder if we're doing that this year. Is that back this year? Hot dog eating contest? That feels like it's maybe not the best Mm-hmm. Jamming food in your face? I don't
2: think you gotta uh, why you gotta leave you and tramp the hot dog with another game. No, That's just, true. I guess you're, you're not like in your jamming you, to, hey, you don't have to like send me so laps in the hot dogs. <laughs> it's
0: part of the fun. <laughs> uh, so there you go. We can move on to the last one on this day, 1981. Directed by Steven Spielberg and based on a story by George Lucas. Raiders of the Lost Ark is released, starring oh, Harrison man. Ford, Karen Allen, and Jonathan Reese Davies, among others. Uh, Lucas conceived uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the early 1970s, seeking to modernize the serial films of the early 20th century. He developed this idea further uh, with his friend Charlie Kaufman, who suggested the Ark as the film's final goal. Development for Raiders of the Lost Ark began when he shared the idea with Steven Spielberg, who joined the project several months later. Uh, Pre-release polling showed that audiences were not really interested in this film, uh, especially when it was supposed to be coming out against the very popular Superman 2, which was coming out at the same time. However, uh, it became the highest-grossing film of 1981, earning approximately $330 million worldwide, playing in some theaters for over a year, which seems like a wild concept today that they would just leave a movie in the theater for a year and just let people come back and see it, but that was the time. Critical success as well as uh, commercial success receiving praise for its modern take on serial films, the film was nominated for several awards and, among others, won five Academy Awards, seven Saturn Awards, and one BAFTA. In the years since its release, it has grown in an esteem and is now considered one of the greatest films of the 80s and one of the greatest action-adventure films ever made. It has a lasting legacy on popular culture, spawning many imitators inspired by the films. It also went on to have three sequels, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, 1984, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989, And the much maligned Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2008. uh, As well as TV show, video game, comic books, novels, theme park rides, toys, and an an amateur remake. A fifth film is scheduled for release next year in 2022. Have you have any excitement for a new Raiders of the Lost Ark movie in
1: 2022?
0: No. Did you have any interest in 1981?
1: I guess I was born that year. I mean, I don't really. I was little when I watched those
0: movies, so. So this, so Raiders of the Lark left no imprint on you going forward. These
2: movies. No, you,
1: if they existed or not, it'd be fine. Interesting. Oh man! You I and, know. you and
2: Kaz are gonna have so much fun. We are. Like this is like this is like perfect, perfect. Okay. For when he's like five and 6 and I'll stuff. watch it. And you'll get a kick out of it because revisiting like these are. Especially Raiders of the Lost Ark is pretty, like, untouchable, like, broad-scale filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. They're Super They're kind ready. of invented. I don't think I've seen all of them. Movies and blockbusters the way they are now. At the very least, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was, like, I watched it as a kid with my yeah. dad, because mm-hmm. it is, like, you know, interesting enough that the adults can watch oh, There's yeah. some stuff that's, like, kind of scary, or it might a little be, or you know, whatever, but... It's all like good, clean family fun yeah. too. In that era
0: too, like when you're a little kid watching this with your family, it's sort of fun to be scared in the scary moments. Casual you, you're, you're yeah. a couch right. mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Kaz will come up to me, he's like, "Mommy, I need you right now." And I'm <laughs> on the couch. I'm like, hey. uh,
0: This movie. I feel like this movie gets a little bit forgotten when you talk about like the great hits of the eight. I think like Back to the Future and Star Wars and some of these other movies get talked about more than this, at least in the modern. Because this this really didn't run with a lot. Star Wars came on the seventies, though, right? Seventies, yeah. But Raiders of the Lost Ark really only had four movies, and one of them was in the two thousands. I feel like there there was more opportunity to get more out of this franchise. I think in a way that a lot of other franchises got milked pretty bad. Really?
1: But They have their own Disney setup. They had a right TV show
2: out. for this. The Adventures well, of Young Indiana Jones on TV. I love oh, the. Yeah. I love yeah, yeah. the. Um, the theme park attraction. I mean, they have a whole, theme, theme, have theme, a whole
1: theme park. park right? I feel like the theme park wild. attraction. I don't know what
0: else they want to get from man. The theme park attraction really stuck with me as a kid. I love that. That was like a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like they could have made more movies in the 80s, maybe? They only made three of them in from
2: 80 to 89. That's just Marvel Brain, I think. But how many other movies Nobody Steven was Spielberg making made? More <laughs> in the, I mean, I guess like Jason and Freddie, yeah, but that's it not suppose. what that is. Like, like low budget. You like, can't produce Raiders, you can't do a new Raiders of the Lost Ark every 18 months. It takes so long to film this and do And the this, way Steven like, right? perfect.
1: The funny I shrunk the kids and all that.
0: I feel like you can keep doing Star Wars without the traditional Star Wars actors. Like Carrie Fisher's dead... Mark Hamill is in the movies, but not
2: really anymore. Well, because the movie's called Star Wars. This is, I mean, this movie's literally Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, this is a singular man. I think it's hard if to. If you don't have him, yeah. nobody cares about, you know, young Indiana Jones played by, like, the kid from Brink or whatever. Well, that's kind of. Oh my well, God, they I did. About that kid. It's well, funny. they
0: did this for Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull, right? They tried to do the soft they They tried to off. pass it off. Pass so, it off. Uh, Rough. I wonder if this new film in 2022 is going to do the same thing. That's their plan. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to hand hand off to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to see Harrison Ford do this again. Because Harrison Ford, more than any actor I can think of, seems to hate all of his fan bases pretty actively. Hates the Star Wars fan base who hassle him about being Han Solo. Doesn't seem to want to talk about Indiana Jones. I don't
2: know that he hates the people, but yeah, he's not really into like... Just like schmoozing on TV. Well, also he's the man's 80 years old. Like, what's he gonna do? It's he true. Can't make another one in eight years. You know, he'll be. And he might
1: like you do. He's just isn't like talking about it. Some people don't like to be talked about. No, it's
0: it's fair. I mean, he's still a normal guy. Even if you're an actor, still might be introverted. Still might want to just be left alone doing his old thing. He's an old man. I get it. Uh, speaking of movie news, uh, Quiet Place Part Two became the first movie to cross 100 million dollars at the box office in over a year. Godzilla vs. Kong tailing right behind, and 9 million. Kevin, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gone to see this.
1: I haven't even seen the first one yet. You haven't mm-hmm. seen the first one? I know. I keep bypassing it. I need to. It's on my list.
2: Um, Only bother if you're going to really, like, strap it. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. turn off all the lights in your house. Turn off anything that makes sound in your house. Especially sound. Like, the sound design is so important in the movie. And, like, it's Good not, to know. It's definitely not, like, a phone kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You got to give yourself over to it, but okay. it'll be worth it if you do. If you like like scary movies yeah. and be scared and stuff.
0: This feels like the kind of movie, to be fair, that I think would actually get back to a movie theater because I feel like watching a movie like this on a big screen is different than watching it at home, right? I think King Kong vs. Godzilla could have been that way too, but I don't think that has the broad appeal that a horror movie like this does.
2: I think I mean I think it's got much broader appeal than the horror movie when it's you're talking about Godzilla and Kong, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's as dependent on sound design. It's Godzilla and King Kong. This is the dude from the office making a horror sequel. When we do when we talk about yeah, broader appeal you just can't I don't I couldn't I can't imagine that argument. Really? I feel like
0: this is a more guaranteed moneymaker. I feel like people were off the last couple Godzilla movies.
2: They were, they've been off all the Godzilla movies, but it's still as far as, like, broad appeal. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can sell it, like, all across the world and everything like that. All yeah. it's, just, it's easy. Two monsters, smash. You know smash them I mean? up, but yeah. This has got more prestige. This has got broader appeal amongst, like, the type of people who take more than a minute thinking about the movies they That's watch, true. but...
0: Uh, all right, so Heather, I feel like that last one was for me and Kev a little bit. This part oh, that's okay. place part two. So I so... pulled this one up for you. This oh, is geez. from Vice. Uh, and this article itself is about uh, predicting which heinous 2000s item will be the next Crocs. The argument is that Crocs were not popular when they first came out. But somehow, some way had become popular.
1: They're ugly, I don't like they're them.
0: They're ugly, I don't like them either, but somehow know, they've I'm become popular. It. So here's a list of a couple things. Now the reason they bring this up is because a lot of this was uh, women's clothing. Okay. And I'm not familiar with a lot of this stuff. I'm not, okay. I know you're not the most, I know, I know you <laughs> So I'm just gonna run through some of these. Are you even familiar with some of these things? Heather, what is a rah rah skirt? I
1: don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's like a cheerleading looking skirt. It's got like the yeah, switch a, girls, Yeah. Skirts
2: girls are wearing senior in high school. Yeah. They're very popular. Think it's coming back? I'm yeah.
1: um, sure, yes, yes.
0: What I mean. about layered tank tops?
1: Oh, I hope not.
0: <laughs> like multiple through. Yeah, them?
1: I know what they are. They're so stupid. <laughs>
0: What about three-quarter length denim fitted shorts?
1: I I like
0: those. That's that you're here (laughs) for. What about
1: ballet flats? Aren't they still cool? They're not out. People aren't wearing them still.
0: I feel like I feel, still see ballet flats out. In
2: like the world. flats. I don't yeah, know. but I think they're not like the type of people who are into fashion, like vice fashion. Oh, sorry.
1: Like I mean, no, they thing. definitely shouldn't come back. But yeah, no,
2: you see people yeah. wearing them.
0: How about wearing a skirt over your jeans? No, that
1: will never come
2: back. No, That's, not,
0: <laughs>
1: that's never, never coming say never. back.
2: Yo, know, we were just talking yeah. about. Okay, the green you're, right, you know. you're
1: right. You're uh,
0: right. How about flared denim maxi skirts? I don't uh, know what that means. That's like tight so and flared at the bottom. And then this one's for the for the boys, Kev. Fedora's and trilbies. I
2: thought they were so. Some...
0: No, uh, you.
2: Yeah, I mean it depends. You know, people like a hat.
0: I definitely had a fedora when I was a kid. It was my grandfather's. Mm. Uh, and I'm glad there's no pictures that exist from Aww. that. You, yeah, that's
2: I like an one. actual fedora, not the hat that everybody nowadays calls. A calls fedora. a fedora like that yeah. weird, like little, like neckbird, like Jason Mraz kind of hat. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah, not yeah. a fedora. Yeah. Right. Fedora's Indiana Jones, coincidentally. No. Indiana Jones, it's true. Uh, all right, so
0: there you go. Fashion from the 2000s. Did you like so that one? so into
1: fashion. <laughs> I mean, so, I'm so excited that you... This is
0: just for you, Adam.
1: Just for me. All right, fashion and then... Stuff uh,
0: one, uh One animal report this week. Oh, I read this. Uh, commercial lobster diver got caught in the mouth of a humpback whale off the coast of Cape <laughs> Cod on Friday morning. Said he thought he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit, my dude. I would have thought I was going to die, too. <laughs> Uh, Michael Packard, 56, said after he was released from the Cape Cod Hospital that he was about 45 feet deep in the waters off Providence when, all of a sudden, I felt this huge bump and everything went dark. Thought he was being attacked by a shark common in the area waters, but realized he could not feel any teeth and he wasn't in any pain. Then I realized, oh, my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. Oh, my God. And he's trying to swallow me, he said. I
1: can't you imagine.
0: I thought to myself, okay, this is it. I'm finally, I'm going to die. <laughs> and, but no, he survived. Then the whale surfaced, shook its head, and spit him back out. He was rescued by his crewmates in the surface boat. What a what! This is like the best it's, story yeah, you could that, ever tell anybody, no right? Could, no mm. one could
1: beat that story. How?
0: Who's gonna beat that story when you go to like a party? You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I got swallowed by a whale. Yes. By the way, mm. I think when I was a kid, I thought that this was a thing that could happen because of Pinocchio, like the idea that if a whale swallowed you, you could just kind of like live inside of its stomach. Yeah, what's the story of Jonah and the whale? Jonah and the whale, right? Uh, no, I can't. This is horrifying to me. No, this, I,
1: I, that's a terrible. You look horrified now. I like am. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> horrified by
0: this. Uh, and that's it. That's all I think. All I have this week for you guys for our uh, news stories this week. Let's do a quick uh, mailbag question. Uh, I will pull up our Spotify picks while we're doing that. Uh, all right. Let's start with a mailbag question. This is more of a broad question, guys. And I was thinking about this earlier today. We're six weeks, six years in. Do you? Th- and this, this is sort of an existential question. So I'll give you a minute on this. In general. Do you think that people are rooting for you, or are rooting against you? In general, do you think most other human beings are rooting for you, or rooting against you?
1: It depends on what it is. Most of the human
0: beings don't know me. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Is it asking,
0: like... I feel like... I, I... I feel like most people I know, personally, most people I know personally are rooting for good things to happen, right? Yo, if most of the
2: people well, you know like... are rooting against you, you need new people.
4: Yeah. In your life.
0: Like, that's just it. But I do think there exists a lot of people who actively do not like to see good things
2: happen to no, other people them. Oh, absolutely. there Because they, like, base sure. their life on yeah. how other people around them are doing. Those are toxic people with mental mm-hmm. health problems. They should yeah. have therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just it. I mean, if you're surrounded by those kind of people, that's a choice. Yeah, for sure. I guess in general, like, do you
0: think... So if there's like a, a public figure, do you think general people are rooting for them to something good to happen to them or something bad to happen to them? I guess it's how much faith you put in humanity. Yeah. I'm kind of cynical about how people feel about other people's success.
2: I suppose how I guess I guess it comes down to how much like thought you give it to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would just whoever I mean you like to see good things happen to good people, certainly, but right. like I yeah, I don't know. I can So it's, it's a tough question. I just said I was thinking about
1: it. I think everyone's rooting for me. You think I'm going to go with that because yeah. they're my friends. I hope my friends are like supportive yeah, of me. If you're your, not, then... like well, here's the thing. Like, all so your, all I'm going to go with that.
2: All your friends and family and your, your personal network should be rooting for you. And if they're not, you should get people that do root for you. And anybody who's rooting against you is not somebody you should be super concerned yeah, about in the first place. Yeah. Like, just don't let them... I
1: wouldn't even think about them.
2: You know? Very good. All right. Did that help you? That too, That was
0: good. Uh, all right, and we'll save uh, another question for next week. Let's take a quick look at our Spotify playlists. I will start this week while you guys pull up. I have two songs that I'm going to highlight this week. Uh, the first one is uh, A Street That Rhymes at 6 a.m. by Norma Taniga. It's a really cool song. I heard it on like, Reddit this week, and I was like scrolling through stuff, and it stuck with me afterwards. And the second one I'm going to highlight is a song called Rock in the Suburbs. By ben folds, mm. And uh, the reason I was thinking about this is I almost thought about doing a whole list like this this week and then it just, i the week got away from me. There are certain songs and certain things that I can remember the moment I heard them, where I was, what I was doing. And Rock in the Suburbs was one of those things. I remember I was with my mom and stepdad in Syracuse and we were at Soundgarden, the famed record store Soundgarden. I, remember I, was, been at Soundgarden. I was getting CDs there at my stepdad's, how long ago this was. And I knew that this solo Ben Folds album was coming out, and I got it. And I remember listening to this in my car, and things would I knew that things would not be the same for me afterwards. I was like, I'm fundamentally changed listening to this Ben Folds solo album in this car mm-hmm. on the way home with my headphones from Syracuse uh, after this trip with my step parent. And I'll think about that forever. Whenever I think of that song, that's all I ever think of. It stays with me forever. So there you go Rock in the Suburbs, Ben Folds solo album of the mm. same name.
2: Kevin, do you have any songs you want to highlight? Uh, yeah, sure, you did too, so I guess I'll do too. Um, I put I put the song I Get Wild slash Wild Gravity by the Talking Heads mm-hmm. on there because it hit me very strangely on a shuffle. Mm. I was expecting it. I was listening to something else for a Talking Heads song we're going to do over the weekend, and um, it just came up on the shuffle and like caught me really off guard mm-hmm. by driving. I was really grooving. I kind of forgot about it. Um, and then I think for another song, what else should we talk about? Um, I put this song "Burn for Me" by the Night Flight Orchestra mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song sounds like it came out in like 1979 or 1981, <laughs> but it came out this year. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate okay, any bands there. that are like fully going for it and going for the sound and like unapologetically being like, "We're gonna be what you know." A lot of people would probably consider super cheesy, but I love this kind of music, so yeah. I make this kind of music, mm-hmm. which is actually the theme of the lyrics to the song "Do This" by Holy Ghost. That I also put on there, but as I think about it now, uh, those two sort of tie together, so I got to mention them both.
0: I dig it. I dig it. I love any Holy Ghost song. You know uh, that? Yeah, I know you do. Heather, want to highlight some tracks? Eight tracks. Well, if you do- guys have
1: two, I'll do 2 um, walking on a, um, a dream. I love I'm, that song. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of Classic. my climbing days with my friends. We, mm. We'd all pack all our stuff in our rickety cars and head to like up north or even the southern tier to go climbing. Mm-hmm. We'd spend like the whole day in like New Paltz. so we'd go get tacos afterwards, and it was just like hanging mm-hmm. and. Like, you'd always meet new people, and I miss those days, so that was one. And the other one's Knockin' on Heaven's Door. Mm-hmm. I believe it's by Rain. I, I heard, ran across the song on accident, and I thought it was one of the best versions of Knockin' on Heaven's Door. Mm-hmm. So That's got to be
0: one of the most covered songs. I, I know, like. but I, it Heaven's was door.
1: so well, I loved it. Like, I must have listened, like, ten times in the car, so.
0: What was the other one I was thinking of? Like, that one, and then, uh, I feel like, Country Roads gets covered yeah. a lot. That's a good, I like You Luba, have to though. listen to I'm her. Her it
1: voice is incredible, so.
0: All right, shout out to Zach Wilson. Thanks for spending some time with us here on our sixth anniversary episode. Shout out to Heather Waz. You can follow Heather on Twitter at waz one You can follow Kevin Sullivan at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Kev, thanks for six years. Uh, you can follow me at SF2. You can follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We are taking over the web. cyanide. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. Even after six years, we will see you next week for another episode of the Unicast. Be safe out there, folks. Oh, yeah.